2 Chronicles chapter 2. Now Solomon decided to build a house for Yahweh's name and a house for his kingdom. Solomon counted out 70,000 men to bear burdens, 80,000 men who were stonecutters in the mountains, and 3,600 to oversee them. Solomon sent to Huram, the king of Tyre, saying, As you dealt with David my father, and sent him cedars to build him a house in which to dwell, so deal with me. Behold, I am about to build a house for the name of Yahweh my God, to dedicate it to him, to burn before him instead of sweet spices, for the continual showbread, and for the burnt offerings morning and evening, on the Sabbaths, on the new moons, and on the set feasts of Yahweh our God. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. The house which I am building will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. But who is able to build him a house, since heaven and the heaven of heavens can't contain him? Who am I then? that I should build him a house, except just to burn incense before him. Now therefore, send me a man skillful to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in iron, and in purple, crimson and blue, and who knows how to engrave engravings, to be with the skillful men who are with me in Judah and in Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Send me also cedar trees, cypress trees, and algum trees out of Lebanon, for I know that your servants know how to cut timber in Lebanon. Behold, my servants will be with your servants, even to prepare me timber in abundance, for the house which I am about to build will be great and wonderful. Behold, I will give to your servants, the cutters who cut timber, 20,000 cores of beaten wheat, 20,000 baths of barley, 20,000 baths of wine, and 20,000 baths of oil. Then... Huram the king of Tyre answered in writing, which he sent to Solomon, Because Yahweh loves his people, he has made you king over them. Huram continued, Blessed be Yahweh the God of Israel, who made heaven and earth, who has given to David the king a wise son, endowed with discretion and understanding, who would build a house for Yahweh and a house for his kingdom. Now, I have sent a skillful man, endowed with understanding, Huram Abi, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre, skillful to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in iron, in stone, in timber, and in purple, in blue, in fine linen, and in crimson, also to engrave any kind of engraving, and to devise any device, that there may be a place appointed to him with your skillful men, and with the skillful men of my lord, David your father." Now therefore, the wheat, the barley, the oil, and the wine, which my Lord has spoken of, let him send to his servants, and we will cut wood out of Lebanon as much as you need. We will bring it to you in rafts by sea to Joppa, and then you shall carry it up to Jerusalem. Solomon counted all the foreigners who were in the land of Israel, after the census with which David his father had counted them, and they found 153,600. He set 70,000 of them to bear burdens, 80,000 who were stonecutters in the mountains, and 3,600 overseers to assign the people their work. So now Solomon begins the process of building the temple and his own palace. And um, he, uh, he sends a message to Huram of Tyre. Now you'll remember, <laughs> hopefully, when we were going through the second king's version of the events, and um, the, this guy in Tyre was called Hiram, king of Tyre. And here he's called Huram, king of Tyre. It's the same guy. <laughs> and um, 
sometimes different what we've got here in the Bible is two accounts of the same story but the names are slightly different and that's completely fine because it's written by two different people and what some people don't realize most people probably is that the old old Hebrew didn't have any vowels so my name's David D-A-V-I-D and I've got two vowels an A and an I if you didn't write my name without vowels it would be just DVD you know like the movie DVD and um, so you'd say David or you could say Divad or Duvad or David or David or so there's lots of ways it could end up being pronounced and people would just know how to say it so when they would see DVD written down they would know oh that's David but later on the vowels got added <laughs> so sometimes you ended up with just alternate spellings of the same name so for example Jehovah and Yahweh are the same name for God but they're just alternate spellings and so in the Hebrew language and the Greek language and uh, in quite a few old languages there was no letter J so that's why Jesus is yes Jesus or Yeshua because the J and the Y get switched around so you've got Yahweh which is Y H W H, but Jehovah is J, which is the same as Y, J H V H, and the V and the W are the same type of thing as well. So you can see how Jehovah and Yahweh are two very different names, but it's the same name once you take the vowels out and once you allow for differences that modern English puts into it, like the Y and the J and stuff. So Hurim and Hiram, same name. <laughs> Once vowels got added in, you ended up with just one book going with the U and one book going with the I. Same name, it's not a problem at all. And um, so he writes a letter to, to Hurim in this book, the king of Tyre, and um, they make this deal. He's going to give him, um, you know, all this stuff, wheat and oil, in exchange for logs. And um, they're going to float them down the ocean to uh, Joppa. Now, that's the city where Jonah tried to flee. Uh, which in Israel today is called Haifa. No, not Haifa, Jaffa is in today in um, Israel today. They float the logs down to there and then bring them over land. So um, there's a deal gets worked out for the materials for the temple. And um, Solomon says, he says, who, he said, who is worthy to build a house for the Lord? And so there's a moment in Solomon's kind of like, he writes a letter to Huram. And in his letter, he kind of says, you know, who is worthy? And um, it's an interesting thing to ponder um, because this was supposed to be a grand, grand building. And yet even that is not, you know, who's worthy to do such a thing? And um, over the years, you know, there's been a lot of grand buildings built. But in recent times, you know, like cathedrals and things, built for the glory of God. But in recent times, it seems to be that people are aiming more for practical buildings. At least there was a patch. I know here at Peace, we meet in a big shed, uh, like a giant. It used to be a sports centre with three big cricket bays, and it's a giant shed. Now, the Lord gave us a word um, many years ago to beautify the property, and so we've been working away at that, and particularly this last few months and into next year, we've got plans for making it nicer, and into the future we're gonna do not just the building. So on one hand, you might say, why waste money on a building for God? Because God can't even, he, you know, he's, he, he doesn't even live in buildings. Like, people make these arguments, they say, don't waste money on buildings, you know, it's people that count. And that's, that's true, it's people that count, and even God knew that. 
you know. But on the other hand, there, building grand buildings for God, there's something about that too. And there's a story in the New Testament where a woman breaks a jar of perfume all over Jesus' feet. And that jar, the alabaster jar, was supposedly worth a year's wages. And people complained and they said, that money should have been given to the poor. But Jesus said, you know, she's done it for me. And then you realize in a story like that, that yeah, people are more important, but Jesus is important too. And things done for God matter. And so Solomon wanted to build a grand, well, it was David's desire. First initial idea was to build a grand building for God, but Solomon took it up. But Solomon realized, who's worthy of this? None of us are worthy to do anything for God. And, um, and yet, we should. We should do grand things for God because the Lord's name is lifted up. Now, in um, there's not a single person, not a single person, you or I, that's worthy of doing anything for God. Even the slightest thing. We don't even deserve to have the opportunity. And I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son ran away, did all that terrible stuff. He came back. When he came back to his father, he said, I am not worthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant. And uh, the father paid no attention to that, just put him back as a son. Well, that's what God does, except for when we come to the Lord, we're not even worthy to be a servant. We're not worthy to be a son. We're not even worthy to be a servant. And that's what Solomon is saying here. He's saying, who is worthy to do this for you? The answer is no one. But, but on the other hand, the Lord loves it. He wants us to not just be servants, but to be sons. But he wants us to do grand things for him. And so David and Solomon build this grand temple. And in the history of the world, people have built grand buildings for God, like cathedrals, and they're wonderful. And so we've got to do both. We don't ignore people, the needs that there are around us. But on the other hand, we should do grand things for God because God's a grand God. And it's wonderful to be inspired by the thought of who he is and what can we do for him. All these things are terrific. And so um, Solomon begins to build what may very well have been the grandest building in the history of the earth. Um, we, we, you know, none of us ever saw this building, but the amount of revenue and effort that got put into this one building that was only 60 meters long is unbelievable. Uh, 30 meters long, sorry. And um, so, you and I, you, we need to, to participate in doing grand things for God. Now, you might say to yourself, well, there's nothing grand I can do. <laughs> And if I was to think of my life, I'd say, well, what, what grand things are there? You know, we're not building a cathedral. Uh, you know what? But there are grand things you can do. And you can participate in grand things that are of a spiritual nature. It doesn't necessarily have to be building a fantastic building, as grand as that would be. And so there are, for example, here at Peace, the Lord's given us a job of taking an apostolic message. It's a message that's supposed to touch the hearts and lives of believers and change the body of Christ. That's a grand task. And, and you should be called to that task. And you should take it up just like Solomon took up the task his father gave him. So we actually are called to do grand things. The problem is that we don't think they're all that grand. And uh, <laughs> we think the things that the Lord's calling us to do are just boring stuff. And we look at it as kind of like our obligation. But we don't see the wonder of it which we'll see one day. One day we'll be with the Lord in eternity and we'll look back and say, wow, we were working on something pretty remarkable. I guess we need to have our eyes open to see what it is the Lord's doing. 
and then we need to leap ourselves into it with all enthusiasm. So there you go. I wanted to say one more thing about this chapter, which is interesting too. Here, Huram, now this is not Huram, the king of Lebanon, but the worker Huram. You know, so there was a man called Huram Abi. He came and he was good with gold and silver and precious stones. Well, this guy, Huram Abi, it said he, he, his mother was from Dan, but in the 2 Kings 7.14, it says his mother was from Naphtali. So some skeptic pe skeptical people, they have said, oh, Bible discrepancy, you know, and they think this proves the Bible is wrong. Well, I have to say something about Israel. Israel was 12 tribes, but they were also, each of the tribes was given a place in Israel as well. So it was, it was not just 12 tribes and 12 people groups, it was also 12 places. So for example, I could say to you, um, I'm, uh, I'm English. You know, my, I have English heritage, I'm an Australian, but, oh, well, here's a better example. Say that you're a Vietnamese immigrant to Australia. Um, you can now, and you become a citizen. You, after four years, you can go through the process and become a citizen. Now you can say you're an Australian, but you can also say you're a Vietnamese. You can say both. So you've got ethnic heritage as Vietnamese, but your geographical and your citizenship heritage is Australia. So what we've got here with Huramabi, <laughs> is a, a man from the tribe of Dan, ethnically, but living, his mother was living in the, in the land of Naphtali, geographically. So he was of Dan, and he was of Naphtali. It's really not that complicated, uh, but people who are not willing to, to just look at the facts, they want to look, they want to find discrepancies, and uh, there isn't one. So Lord, thank you for this chapter. Thank you for Solomon's heart to build something grand for you. And I, Lord, we want to build something grand for you too. But open our eyes to see, Lord, the things that you are doing in the earth. Help us to participate in them. Show us the grandness of your plans. Show us your grandeur, Lord. We ask your grace to be released for that purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.